Alrighty, welcome back to the Foxhole Eagle's Nest 2 Studios on a fine Sunday afternoon. Fox trotting in a foxhole. Episode 5. Season 5, episode 26. Number 154 overall. Coming to you from on the hill over here in Southwest Eugene. The faithful host Kid Harlan here, as always. Comes to Fox Trotting in the Foxhole. We thank the folks at www.purpleplanet.com, Mixler for the tunes using the podcast, and the folks at Rode and Zoom for providing wonderful tools for content creation all through the land. Want to be on the podcast? Say hey, whatever. Sponsor FTINFX at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. All right, folks, let's get to it. Long week, a lot of crazy stuff. We had our issues getting the podcast out. I told you it would be a quick turnaround. Not as quick as I'd like, but still. A lot of information coming, and we'll have another one shortly. Guests coming, all kinds of cool stuff. But let's snap it. The COVID chronicles. Well, well, well. I'd say a little bit more quiet than normal this past week as far as COVID and sports, and our quick gander across the globe of what's going on with the ongoing pandemic. I can tell you that two top cyclists in the world will be sidelined for one of the world's, well, one of that sport's most prestigious competitions over there in France as we get ready for the big competition. You know, don't really talk too much about cycling. But yeah, so as always, Somebody's still catching this stuff and having to set up a competition. Tells you one thing, it's not going away. Another interesting uh, piece that I saw this week, I told you last week, you know, in our ever, you know, shall I say, our ever trend of trying to find articles and things to talk about in this segment, the girls' tennis player in the roar. Hence, we were talking about cycling. But I saw another article this week as I get my footing for this podcast. Uh, Myron Roll. Remember him? He was once a NFL prospect, but actually had a lot of game in the classroom and now is in the medical field and did a lot of work during COVID. And you know, they, they revisited this article about how he felt the NFL dropped the ball during the pandemic and by not going to a bubble-type structure. And, you know, I took a second and thought about that. And I think it would have been a little bit more useful in the second year as opposed to 2020. I mean, 2020, there was, no, there was no fans in the stands. I think there was less of a risk. So I thought it was weird to revisit that piece, whereas I thought in 2021... I know the team, you know, the Washington football team, for example, had its playoff chances derailed and things like that. But, you know, once the fans came back, it really wasn't that much of a possibility. So I don't know what the purpose of that article was. It's just like, really? You're bringing this up now, especially when there were no fans. So it was not necessarily a bubble, but all of the health and safety protocols were in place. So... I don't know, maybe people are just looking for something to talk about and complain, I guess. I, you know, 
I keep bringing up the people or innovations that came up during the pandemic. I found something really interesting about the Prep Sports Network. This guy, Chad Scott, basically was able to build, as they called it, a streaming juggernaut in terms of a very profitable business, streaming high school games and creating a network to get these broadcasts out there. I thought, yeah, that was kind of a major innovation. It not only helped get, you know, what was kind of a hodgepodge of people doing it, to something that was more consolidated and more access as, you know, people want to be able to see their kids and things like that. And also, you know, prospective recruiters, you know, all in all, very smart. Got to give this guy props for, you know, thinking ahead or taking advantage of a good situation. And he's been able to build this network and others are following suit. And that's become a pretty decent business and being able to transmit these prep games at all levels and making it more accessible. So I, a win-win. And this is another one of those good things that has come out of this pandemic. One of the things I thought was also interesting, about the NBA's Africa League? You know, there's all the, there's a lot of ballyhoo about that and what a great opportunity it was going to be. But it got kind of scuttled because of COVID. And so far, we're not really hearing anything about it still. And it makes you wonder what's going to happen with that in terms of being a really good source for the NBA to tap and tap into, building its fan base and bringing more talent to the league. We're keeping an eye on that and doing some more R&D as far as figuring out what the heck's going on with that. More research than development, obviously. Okay, so three years in to this, now that we're almost in May of 2023, and as I brought up, you know, with the with uh, Mr. Scott's streaming juggernaut and some of the other stuff that we've talked about in recent weeks, it's kind of weird because things are kind of different. Obviously, the revolution in college sports, which is a byproduct of the pandemic and the social justice revolution that happened at the same time, you know, that landscape's different for sure. But all in all, other than more money being involved, yeah, I wouldn't say things are that much drastically than what they were in 2019. It's just that all of a sudden, people have gotten a sense of how valuable these properties are. I've been walking at games all weekend, looking at the exciting scenes that are building up here at the Chase Center for Game 4 with the Warriors and Kings, looking at the Astros... And Braves playing a big series down in Atlanta. Folks at the games, you know, and maybe as we talked about a few weeks ago, that since we miss things so much, that there is an increased interest in sport. I don't know. I, all in all, I think sports is probably more healthier and uh, more visible than perhaps it's ever been. So it's not all bad. Okay. So what else do we have here? Let's do our weekly wraparound. So in the U.S., the debate about how long employers can continue to insist on mandates, that's really starting to heat up. If you figure a state of emergencies at the national and state level and local levels are being scaled back, people who are anti-vax are really pushing back saying, well, why are you 
lock, trying to force me to do this or I've lost my job and can't get it back when everything is scaling back. Going to be a pretty heated debate as we get further along in 2023. Um, interesting thing about you know the ease of these restrictions is that you know reports coming out that, that the U.S. entities are going to spend another five billion in R and D of stronger vaccines to combat this back you know this terrible pandemic. That's a lot of scroll. And it's kind of interesting as things were scaling back the more money, which makes me wonder, is this the interest of society, or is this like, hey, we lost profits, and we want to make some more of that money? Because as we have been highlighting in recent weeks, of people who have really taken advantage of that situation. Lo and behold, the Department of Justice hands down charges to 19 doctors over the past week that wanted the bag, you know, lying in their pockets, as opposed to being ethical and trying to save us from this terrible vaccine. Hey, if you were up to chicanery, DOJ should come with both barrels, the way I see it. Globally, India still seeing numbers spike. Hope they get that situation under control there. Over in China, their head of their CDC says there's no evidence to really understand what animal I don't believe it's originated in a Wuhan laboratory, as we've told you many times, but they can't find any evidence to point to any particular animal or species as the origin of this vaccine. Even if they did know, do you think they would disclose it at this point? Okay. Lastly, over in the UK, you'll find this one amusing. They're talking about the rise of school absences driven by COVID-19 anxiety. Well, let's think about this one. Or there's not much to think about. The opportunity to go do your school and get home and all sorts of alternative ways to do learning. Of course, absences. You've given people out like, hey, I can figure a way of not having to deal with being in class. I don't want to be here and come up with any type of excuse. And I would think the same is here domestically. It just happened that I found an article that was highlighting this in the UK. You know, water is wet, right? It's been raining in Oregon nonstop for the last two months. Of course, people are going to find ways not to go to school now that they've been given all kinds of loopholes to take advantage of. Makes sense, doesn't it? All right, folks, we'll be back with a high view on the other side. That is the high view over campus. Welcome back to the Foxhole. Rocking and rolling. Episode 154. Doing it this quite a bit. Breezing our way through season five. Really looking forward to the next season. Always hoping to evolve and innovate. Checking out the Kings and the Warriors, as I was saying a second ago. 9-8. Really early, though. Pivotal game. We'll get to that in the next segment. Or two segments down, whatever it's going to be. Anyway, let's get an adult beverage already. I know it's Sunday. Relaxing. Time to gather our thoughts 
Gather our hipster friends. Already got the adult beverages rolling. Get our hipster sack lunch. Not enough sun for our cool sunglasses. But nonetheless, let's get in our Uber. Get to the Eugene Airport. Get the TSA. Stubble to our Gulfstream 650 and take the high view over campus. As we're wrapping up another academic year, things are slowing down a bit. You know, you've got the transfer portal, you've got some hires. As my alma mater just made an interesting choice, taking a guy from San Bredou to hopefully lead them out of the hinterland that they've been in for a decade and a half. Hope he does a job there so I can actually have something good to talk about when it comes to them. Anyway, where shall I start? Since we're high above campus. Well, let's talk about the whole situation at Tennessee. As you know, Tennessee had caught a resurgence in the gridiron last year. But the whole stench from Jeremy Pruitt's tenure is still lingering. And it's in the courts now. And they're basically sparring over infractions surrounding players that were getting paid and all that other stuff, which absolutely seems ludicrous now that the genie is dancing out on the bottle in terms of NIL and everything that comes along with it. But nonetheless, they're they're quibbling, and you got to figure at some point, there's so much money around, just cut the dude a check, move on, and you know focus on challenging Alabama and Georgia. Let this guy have a bag. Like I said, there's plenty of cash to go around. I mean, that's just me. Speaking of the transfer portal, kind of interesting that the mass exodus from certain programs, you know, i.e. Prime, who basically said, if you're not not good enough to be in, in, in Boulder, get the hell on. And then Jimbo, because down there in College Station, it is just a dumpster fire. You can't really do much about Jimbo, but a lot of folks are saying, oh, you think? And so they had quite a few, I mean, they, I think, lead the nation as far as people who've entered the portal. Now, in Dion's case, you know, there's a lot of talk right now about him and his next job. And the buzz in Boulder is real for people. Yesterday, they had their spring game. And, you know, basically, in sub-freezing temperatures, they sold Folsom filled out. Now, I, you go, I've been to Boulder quite a bit. A lot of my homies are there, and so and I love going there to see music, and just it's a great place to be. But I know from when I go out there to see fish at the beginning of, you know, at Dick's, at the end of the summer, at the beginning of every college football season, the only people that would be at, Boulder, at Buffalo games would be, you know, the fraternity brothers and sorority sisters and a few other stragglers. And for them to get 45K, I mean, it was cold <laughs> in Boulder yesterday. That tells you the kind of buzz that Prime is bringing. And hate him or love him, it's definitely something you got to keep your eye on. Very impressive. Okay. Looking ahead to this year, see a good article about Alabama. Yeah. That now all of a sudden, after sort of rewriting you know, the standard of what greatness is in college football, they face a new reality as far as increased competition. We talked about Tennessee, and obviously Georgia 
in spite of its off-the-field pro problems, possibly going for a three-peat, that, yeah, it's getting very crowded in, in the penthouse, and one has to wonder, well, how is the Crimson Tide going to be able to sustain what they've achieved for the last decade and a half? I guess in the spring game, their quarterbacks look like crap, and they may be heading not towards mediocrity, but definitely away from dominance. Something to definitely keep an eye on as we move forward with the 2023 season. It's just, you know, it'll be here sooner than you think. The way time is flying. It's going to be May here real quick. Looking into the crystal ball, another program that I'm really interested in seeing the trajectory. We've talked a lot about USC and how people were fawning all over themselves and it looked like they had returned to the greatness that we expected them. Now, that's not necessarily true in reality, as we all know, even though Lincoln Riley definitely got them out of the doldrums. But I feel like there's a lot of pressure on them because the eyes are going to be on what's going on down there in South LA. And I have to wonder, can they live up to the hype? You know, obviously the impending move to the Big Ten, along with their crosstown rival, the Bruins, but I kind of feel that where they had somewhat success in 2022, they're going to have to go way beyond that for this to really be viable, in my opinion. And it's not a slam dunk that this is going to be the case. Definitely one of those stories to keep an eye on in terms of can USC really live up to the hype? Okay. How about Kyler Murray getting a statue in Norman? I guess Baker has one too. But considering that the Sooners really haven't, you know, set the college football world on fire in a long time, why are these guys getting statues? Does anybody get a statue at this point? I guess would be the bigger question. Yeah, I thought, well, okay, he won a Heisman, but I don't see no statue for Marcus Mariota over here in Eugene. And this was the first time that... Anybody in the Ducks program at one of Heisman? Yeah, I guess you'll, you're, you're looking to feel good about yourself any way possible, Norman, from all appearances. Ha. Another interesting one. New Mexico State. Are they becoming Baylor Jr. in terms of the toxicity associated with the program? I mean, there's more reports coming out of just all kinds of bad stuff. It was a rough year over there, and... As people dig deeper and deeper, you got a culture that's more toxic than what Dan Snyder was producing over there with the Commanders. And hey, that's not an easy feat, as we all know. Be looking forward to seeing what kind of sewer factory comes out of all of this. Not going to be pretty, I can tell you that. Okay, still looking back into our crystal ball, there were early projections as far as who is going to emerge as the preseason number one on the college hoops front? And on the men's side, it's looking like Duke, who had a more than impressive run this past year, is going to be the early number one. And over on the women's side, in spite of Iowa and LSU's powers, folks were looking at UConn with Miss Page, you know, coming, returning from her injuries as the team to beat. You know, after all, they did miss the Final Four for the first time in an eternity. And, you know, the folks that 
or in the know, think they are going to be the team to beat, and they will emerge as number one. Okay. And speaking of as far as the ladies go, it's kind of interesting that there's more traction being given to all of the the exodus, we'll just say, from women who are now deciding, hey, I want greener pastures, and are taking advantage of the transfer portal, which is really interesting to see, to show you how much we have evolved, as I was talking about in the last segment. One of these things that has really blossomed in the wake of the pandemic and the changes that ensued with it, you know, is the growth of women's sports. And seeing that the visibility of what's going on in the transfer portal is getting more attention than the men's programs, that's saying a lot. Okay, let's look around and see what else is happening. Let's take a look at the polls. Okay, we'll start off with baseball. Speaking of LSU, quite the spring they're having. You know, with the ladies and their success. Okay, Shaq, put down the indica. I still am not buying. <laughs> Homegirl being the greatest. <laughs> Buy you being whatever. That said, they LSU is number one in baseball right now. 29 and 6. Wake and Florida are 2 and 3. I think it's interesting that the highest ranked West, West Coast school right now is Stanford all the way down at 9. Interesting in terms of West Coast baseball, not setting the college baseball landscape on fire right now. And I got an interesting tidbit from my good friend uh, who went to CSUN with me, you know, quite the scholar, my man, Mr. Mr. Rob M., who's working on a PhD down at Mississippi State. And he's a big fan of that nice baseball program they have there. He was telling me, and I looked it up, they drew almost 17,000 for a weekend series last weekend, which was kind of a record. But that just shows you, once again, the viability of college sports right now. Now, granted, in Starkville, what else will they, they be doing, especially with the spring game going on? But hey, man, over 5K a pop for a college baseball game, that's, that's eye-opening. So things are very healthy all over the college sports landscape, especially in the Power Five. As far as, you know, the ladies are concerned, over in softball, up 39-1, the Sooners, you know, the juggernaut they are, doing what they do. As far as lacrosse is concerned, kind of interesting to see Notre Dame at one in the men's side. And then at 15-0, Syracuse is atop the ladies, which is kind of interesting given how good North Carolina has been. All right, folks, that's what's going on high above campus. We'll be back with something interesting on the other side. Welcome back to the Foxhole, your faithful host, Kit Harlan. Time for one of our favorite segments. Something you should probably know. Or things that happened in the sports world this past week you might be interested or care about. Where shall we start? How about the Woke Leader? That's right. The Entertainment Sports Programming Network. The folks that work there 
losing their minds because Stephen A. Smith had the audacity to have Clay Travis on his podcast, calling him a traitor and a sellout. You know, folks over there, I there's just so much going on in terms of shaming people and virtue signaling and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, and get on the pulpit because people can believe what they want. And that's just it. You're not allowed to have opposing views. You have to all be you're either with this or you're not mentality. So it's not really shocking that now they're getting ready to go through another round of, of cuts and either talent's going to be told to take a hike or be forced to take some big pay cuts. It's not shocking given how toxic things have become over in the mouse. And of course, Stephen A. Smith, you know, for his part, has doubled down saying he's going to have more conservative guests. More power to you. I mean, whether you agree or disagree, we do want to have different viewpoints so we can edify ourselves. Makes sense, doesn't it? But tell that to these wackos over there, like Mr. Foxworth, you know, basically going out and saying, yeah, man, if you give the Joker another MVP, it's racist and all this other stuff. Not even your sport and your spelling that, spouting that kind of nonsense. Yeah, just being just a, just a joke in the light, as we used to say. Okay, what else do we have here? A lot of betting and, you know, gambling stuff that is going to seem to be a theme in this podcast. So, gambling scandal number one. Two top teams in China's main professional league in the doghouse for fixing games. And, you know, some of the American players who are over there say, nah, that won't be. But, yeah, it is kind of shocking that as gaming becomes a more accepted uh, component of sporting life than the scandals. I'm just kind of been waiting for this as we've been talking about on the podcast repeatedly over the years. And this past week shows that, yes, <laughs> the chickens have come to roost. I know, crazy, right? Okay, so let's go take a whip around. We'll start with NASCAR. Kyle Larson racking up those wins once again. He takes the checkered flag at Martinsville. Race is going on now. I'm going to have to go see what's happening with that. So we can talk about that next week. F1 still on hiatus. There's no IndyCar this past weekend, so we have got nothing there. So let's flip over to UFC. Talked about the big merger. Now that we've had time to distill that. Kind of interesting as far as kind of the blowback with folks wondering should we be able to have, think that the UFC will have integrity now that it's, you know, merged with WWE. And a lot of folks in the UFC are like, hey man, I ain't getting my head bashed in for no scripted nonsense. I hope not. As they say, time will tell. And hopefully that won't be the case. But it still just does not seem, you know, on the up and up. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. And speaking of the UFC, uh, this one, I don't even know. It's probably could, it probably should be a, a TMC candidate, TMC, a TMCA candidate, but 
So from the octagon from the octagon to the Graybar Hilton, uh, former UFC fighter Carl Robinson being arrested this past week for getting himself mixed up in a two thousand dollar two hundred thousand dollar heist. He got ran from the UFC last year, so apparently that lifestyle that you have to maintain. Hey, let's get with my buddies and try to like you know. <laughs> Rob some people of their jewelries and other valuables. 200k, man. If he's guilty, they're probably going to throw the book at him and residents in the Gray Bar Hilton. Get comfortable. Don't drop the soap, as they say, right? Oh, I know, that was terrible. Okay. So over in the golf world, last week, you had Matt Fitzpatrick taking the honors at the RBC. I told you about Rory getting hit pretty hard for not wanting to participate in that. Beats Jordan Spieth in the playoff for a sports win of the tour. Props to him there. As far as the golf's number one goes, Mr. Rum and my man Scotty Scheffler. Tight race there in terms of who's going to be golf's number one. Right now is Mr. Rum, but Scotty's right at his heels. And Rory's a distant third. Over in the live, as I told you last week about their desire to, you know, replicate Scott still down under. A lot of, you know, that's, a lot of folks kind of turned their nose at it. But hey, those, you talk about the crowds at Starkville last week. A lot of folks turned up down under to see the live's version of what goes on at the WM. So props to the live as far as doing whatever it can to make itself more viable. Got nothing wrong with that. Yeah, another interesting, you know, article I read this week is the Boston Marathon coming up. And uh, you know, all those guys were so fast. I didn't realize, you know, how badass these guys are becoming. I told you a, lot, a while back about the guy who ran the sub-marathon the sub two hour marathon, but because it was sort of scripted and in a controlled environment, but nobody's done it out in the open. And one has to wonder this year, especially with the guy, Mr. Kip Chodge, could he possibly do it? And this guy puts in, what is it, 130 miles a week? Dude, that's pretty crazy, right? I mean, as a former distance runner, 130 miles a week. The point being is, it's just crazy to think to run a sub two-hour marathon, you got to put in 4.30 a mile for 26 miles. I mean, my PR back in the day wasn't even 4.30, and to think somebody could do that 26 times is just mind-boggling, right? <laughs> when it comes down to it. Well, looking forward to seeing if somebody can break the two-hour barrier. I mean, I think that'll be even more significant than Roger Bannister cracking the uh, four-minute mile barrier way back in, what was that, 1954? Okay. You know, I like to always talk about memorabilia. And it's really interesting, you know, I talked about, what was it, a, a jersey of, of was it, Jordans that went for like two million. You know, it was... I, and I, it was one of the championships. I'm going to say it was either, I think it was 98, I think it was. But just to show you, like with baseball, football, and basketball, the valuation there compared to the other sports. Like we talked about how Sabrina Eyes card, 
I don't know, it was like 10K, which is, you know, which was a record for a WNBA player. Even over in UFC, somebody as big as The Rock. I mean, his prison card set a record for going for 126K at auction, which is, like I said, that's peanuts compared to, you know, Babe Roop's bat from the 23 World Series, is it? Or 22, actually, because they were still in the polo grounds. But that was like 2.2 million almost. And The Rock, who's not necessarily a slouch or a scrub when it comes to popularity, his card only going for 126K. This kind of shows you that there's just a gulf from the big three and all the rest of the sports when it comes to memorabilia. All right, folks, that's what's going on over there. We'll be back with what's going on in the association on the other side. back to the foxhole your faithful host here ken harlan rocking and rolling got the warriors and the kings a little tight battle here kind of seesaw them back and forth warriors up by four on the other screen got the braves and astros two world series hopefuls i mean definitely looking at a potential matchup later on in the fall it's 2-2 in the ninth inning so exciting finish brewing there Okay, speaking of the hardwood, let's get to it. A lot going on. How about Russ? Mr. Jekyll and Hyde over here. You know, as I'm going to let my bias come in for a minute. As a Laker fan, watching what he's doing in this playoffs, it just frustrates the hell out of me. And it's been weird because in one of those games, and we, we spoke about it last week, he went three for 20, but that didn't tell all in terms of the Clippers being able to steal game one. And since then, he's absolutely looked phenomenal. And if you're a Laker fan, you're just like going, dude, if you'd even been half of this, no one would have given you the grief that you have taken. Why did it take you this long to get pissed off enough to find your game again? Unfortunately for you, you you're still trailing in that series. Suns not looking like contenders, you know. I mean, they they, res they responded after losing the first game. They've taken the last two, of course. No Kawhi, which led the aforementioned Stephen A. Smith to say he's the worst superstar ever because you can't depend on him. A bit harsh, but is he lying? I mean, it's one thing with PG being out, but with Kawhi. <laughs> and we've talked about Kawhi and his aloofness many times on this podcast before. So this doesn't come as a surprise, but I know if you're one of the eight Clipper fans out there, you just can't be happy. Because even without him, they're giving the Suns both barrels. And this series at 2-1 two, at two is far from being over. And if Phoenix doesn't take it up a notch, they can find themselves in a seven-game series, and Kawhi and George may return and knock them out, which would be a major shock. Okay. Then you have the Laker supporting cast, shining in game one, laying an egg in game two, and then coming back in game three. 
I'll save you know hardcore commentary about the whole Brooks LeBron thing, and you know in the emergence of Austin Reeves for a closer look. But this is a really interesting series because you know you had Ja getting hurt in Game One and missing Game Two, which Memphis won. Not really sure what to think of this series at this point, other than you know the Lakers getting out to a 35-9 lead last week. I mean last night, basically coasting. The game was a little bit closer on the in the score line than it probably actually was. They can somehow rise rise to the occasion tomorrow night. Memphis is gonna be in a lot of trouble. And as I've said before and I'll bring up again later, what did I tell you about the Grizzlies? Been saying it all along. Okay. Then you've got, you know, and I'll bring up more about this as well, the whole Draymond situation. But give the Warriors a lot of credit, where they really look like champions. Obviously, Wiggins getting his footing back, but taking that game three and pretty much putting the Kings on notice. When I say the Kings on notice, you know, the Kings have the best road record. And had they been able to go up 3-0 in that series, you know. But right now, if the Warriors win this game that I'm watching right now, I don't know if the Kings have enough to actually be able to take the champs out. Just saying. Okay. So, Boston and Philly on cruise control. Well, sort of. I thought Boston was on cruise control until they managed not to get the job done on Friday night. So, this now sets up a very pivotal game four in Atlanta. Can Trey and company knock this series up and bring a lot of self-doubt as far as... The Celtics. The Celtics obviously very formidable, but we do question uh, their mental toughness. And if they make the thing, if this series gets extended, I do not think the Hawks can win. But that can't be good for the Celtics if they're having trouble disposing of Atlanta. It is what it is, right? Okay. The, obviously, the Sixers sweep the Nets, but the bigger concern is Mr. Embiid. Injury, not sure how serious it is at this point, but I know if he's out for an extended period, their chances of winning the ring go right out the window, and, jo and Mr. Harris will have to focus on sealing his commander's bid as opposed to leading the Sixers of his franchise back to glory. Okay, Nixon Cavs series I thought was about to go the distance, but the Knicks better you know, beat the Cavs Game two, and then just a little while ago in game three, which I'll get more into the, the series next week. But the Knicks are up 3-1. And let me tell you, folks, the Garden is absolutely electric. They really have something to be excited about. As we've been talking about in the beginning of this podcast, as far as that long-suffering fan base. And hey, they're flexing. And, you know, even with Julius Randle not really being as dominant as he has been, the Knicks are no joke. And, of course, Stephen A. Smith, once again, the aforementioned, flapping his wings. And he called it today. He said, I don't care what Donovan Mitchell does. The Cavs ain't winning this game. And props to the Knicks for disposing of him. You know, Cleveland, a great story. But right now, they looks like they're going to be on their way home unless something drastic happens. I just think the Knicks are just all that. Then you've got the Bucks, the number one seed. With Giannis hurt, things are looking pretty sketchy over there. 
Yeah, they were able to get the game, but then we went to South Beach and Jimmy Buckets and company. I mean, Oladipo is gone for the rest of the series, and that could be trouble. But that said, they got a big win last night, and now all of a sudden, the number one seed Bucks, yeah, not looking so good, trailing 2-1. Long ways to go, but you know, if Giannis can't come back, it's going to be another lost season for the Bucks, and just making the East that much more wide open at this point. Yeah. Okay. I definitely miss the bus when it comes to Minnesota. And I missed the bus in the sense that I thought they'd give Denver more trouble than what we've seen. It's basically what's going to happen here. They're going to be done, in my opinion, today. They're about to be swept out. Yeah, they look competitive at points in this series, but in the end, Denver, to their credit, who we thought you know, went on cruise control and wasn't going to find, it, find their mojo back, they're having an easy time of this. And they're just kind of like, uh, yeah, yeah, really? So, I don't know. Not looking good as far as the number eight taking out the number one in this particular case. Just saying. Okay. We talked about the whole Bradley Bill thing last week. The fans suing suing Bradley now over the brawls with the latest development. And I'm just like, really, dude? Maybe you're hoping to get a settlement out of court or something like in the courts, I mean. But come on, man, or out of the course, whatever I mean to say. But come on, dude. You you made a bet, you lost it, then you called the guy out. What the hell did you expect? These guys, like I told you about Westbrook last week and the whole situation and in Phoenix. Or maybe, I'm not sure if I did or not, but this whole interaction with the fans, you pay a lot of money, especially, you know, sitting courtside or in those exclusive areas, spouting up and these players being thin-skinned, it's a problem. And while I would like for the players to take the high road and the heat of battle, that's probably not possible. And after a while, you get tired of these jack-offs running their fucking mouths. You made a bet, as Bradley Bill said. Nobody likes losing money, I get it. But that doesn't entitle you to insult my family, me, or even threaten me. I'll whoop your ass. Um... It sucks that it came down to that, but dude, keep your mouth shut or maybe do some more research as far as your betting goes. You're going to put 14K on a game, you could lose it. There are no sure things out there. Yeah, you can be butthurt, but to confront a player, yeah, I mean, people are just knuckleheads in their sense of entitlement. I, I don't get it. You know, and unfortunately, I don't know what we're going to do to limit these fan-player interactions. Because then, you know, in, in, the, in the fog of battle, it, these guys are human. And there's only so much you can take, and we know how obnoxious fans can be. I was one of those fans at one point, you know, thinking I could say whatever I want. Luckily, back then, you know... <laughs> I was far away enough to where somebody couldn't come whoop my ass. But where we are now, and with social media and all this kind of stuff, yeah, it's very toxic. And something ugly is definitely going to happen. I've been saying it for a long time, and that moment's coming closer and closer. Okay, we will be back with a nightfall of diamonds on the other side.
Alrighty, welcome back to the foxhole. Wow, the Astros have just kicked the dam open and the levees are spilling out to the streets of Atlanta. They explode for three in the top of the ninth and now they're up 5-2. And what could be a World Series preview? A lot of good stuff on. I was watching the Giants and the Mets yesterday. They'll be on again ESPN. Kershaw pitching tonight. Exciting stuff going on in MLB. And of course, with, while things are good, leave it to Mr. Manfred, that's right, the commissioner, to make things even more muddled. Okay, the changes that happen, apparently they're working in his opinion and all of the pundits. So what's he going to do? He wants to alter the game even more. Now, I'm just not sure what I think about some of these proposed changes. I mean, they will get tested via R&D in the Atlantic League and other minor leagues. But we're going to have designated pinch runners where you have a designated pinch runner and the player doesn't have to come out of the game. Come on, man. A double hook move for the DH, right? Where, you know, if, I forget what the scenario is, but you lose the DH in, a, in certain situations and in later innings and the pitcher has to stay in the game. Could be intriguing, but... You know what? You have a good thing going on here. You don't have to tweak the game that much to make it more appealing. Baseball is doing fine without all of these radical changes. I'm not being a boomer here. I'm just saying for continuity's sake, right? You don't have to right, you don't have to always reinvent the wheel. Figure out a way to make your players a little bit more visible in the product itself and tweaking the rules, hoping you're going to lure in a new fan base. In my opinion, eh, I just don't think that is going to work so much. Okay. And there's also, yeah, they're going to limit pickoff moves by pitchers. Eh, it could be good or bad. I have to think about that a little bit more. Okay. So the big story this week is coming out of Las Vegas. Now we have some clarity as far as what's going to happen with the A's situation. The A's have purchased 49 acres of land in Las Vegas, kind of over there um, west of the Strip, you know, off of Trop, you know, away from Tropicana. There's this open area out there, kind of like where where In and Out is, I believe. Anyways, looking like the stadium is going there, and the A's are going to complete the trifecta of teams leaving the East Bay. It has brought a lot of tears, wrist wringing, people like Reggie Jackson and Dave Stewart coming out and strongly condemning the East Bay for allowing this to happen. I told you all a long time ago about the East Bay. You know, I've lived in the East Bay, grew up nearby there, so I know it well enough to just know that the Bay Area cannot sustain two teams. We knew that back in the 70s when the A's and Giants threatened to leave. The Raiders left and came back. You know, I think the population's there, but I just think as the data proves, it's a, the Bay Area is a one-team sports market. You know, we go back to the A's, as I've said before on this podcast. You know, they had one of the best teams in the post-war era. I mean, we're just going back to 1945. Other than those great Yankees teams, those A's teams that won it in 72, 73, and 74, and still didn't draw that well. 
didn't even draw that great when you had the Bash Brothers back in the late 80s when they made a, a similar run. Not quite as successful as the 70s one, but they were still very viable in box office, as they often say. And so, while it is sad, if there was viability there, it would have happened. And I knew it wasn't going to. So, welcome, welcome Vegas, the Vegas A's. You know, could be curious to see how dope that ballpark is. Kind of thinking they're saying thirty thousand. Come on, man! You gotta be you can build a bigger ballpark than that. But nonetheless, yeah, you know, it's a sad chapter. You know, really, as far as you know, the what was you know some cool stuff in the East Bay with the Warriors, A's, and Raiders. So sucks for the people there, but in the end, you know. The, the, it's asking a bit much for the blue-collar side of the East Bay to keep this going in an era of big money, deep pockets. And the Silicon Valley folks, obviously, would much rather support the 49ers and Giants. And they're cool with the Warriors being in San Francisco and being able to prop down the San Jose to see the Sharks. Um, Speaking of... Yeah, there's a lot going on. I'll save that for next weekend, you know, thinking about that bullet point. So Mad Max gets 10 games for being the doctor. You know, that's right, Mr. Scherzer, getting a 10-game suspension. MLB really flexing its muscle about folks and their shenanigans, because this is the Gaylord Prairie era. Yeah, hello. <laughs> he can still pitch while it's on a pill, but hey. Manfred said, we're going to get tough on you guys and your shenanigans trying to get, you know, the upper advantage. And so you're getting slapped with a 10-game suspension. Curious to see what it really ends up being in the end after we argue and argue in terms of, I don't know. 10 games is pretty harsh. <laughs> okay. How about the Rays setting uh, a mark? Yeah, right, we 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 predicted they'd be a postseason contender. The thirteen and zero start. Well, you can add this to it. They have homered in each of their first twenty one games, so they're making it happen. Getting a new ballpark at some point. Yeah, things are really looking good down there in Tampa, St. Pete. As far as the Rays are concerned, good for them. Kind of interesting about Mookie Betts going to play shortstop for the Dodgers. Kind of feeling a little remorse now for not shelling out what it would take to keep Trey Turner. You know, Dodger fans are not happy. They're kind of they're kind of waddling along right now, which I predicted was going to happen. Even though Kershaw is looking really good, but Mookie playing shortstop, we'll see how that works out. How about Manny Machado? calling out the Padre fans because they're off to a slower start than many people anticipated. But he's basically just told the fans, don't hop on the bandwagon when we start raking and kicking ass. Props to you in that regard. i 100% behind that. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, it's early. You know, don't be complaining. I know they're 11 and 12 right now. But with that lineup, it's still April, folks. So props to you, Manny, for just saying, hey, you're either, you're with us or you're not. Don't sit there in Cabbage Patch if we start balling out in July and August. 
Um, more City Connect jerseys. The Rangers unveiled their uniforms. I'm not feeling that either. For the most part, these City Connect jerseys are just so meh, if not downright hideous. <laughs> and the Rangers, nope, not feeling it. Okay. And one of the surprises, how about the Pirates? The Orioles last year in their revival, the Pirates are following suit. You know, given the close proximity, good for that part of the of the country. But they're fourteen and seven. Their guy just gets an extension. Hopefully, they are able to sustain that because, after all, as I just said, it is still April and a lot can happen. But it would be good for the long-suffering fans of Pittsburgh if the Pirates maintain this and make a run of the postseason. We're definitely pulling for them. Okay, let's hop on our Zamboni and take a quick gander at what's going on in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So you had the Kings stunning the Oilers in Game 1, and now they lead that series two games to one. Very exciting stuff there. The, the Bruins, who have all the pressure in the universe on them, won the first game, struggled in the second game, but they're up 2-1. And while they, over the Stars 2-1, a lot of fireworks there. In the Battle of New York and New Jersey, the Rangers have a 2-1 lead over the Devils. The Leafs telling me to F off in terms of their long-suffering heartbreak. I know Ju I know Julia Stewart-Binks is, is doing her thing, or Julie Stewart-Binks, I should say. J.S. May. She's all cabbage patching on Instagram, looking really fine in her Leafs jersey. But yeah, they are 2-1 over the Lightning, but we know how resilient the Lightning have been in recent years. So expect that series to go the, the distance. Exciting stuff last night with the gold with, with, with Vegas. Speaking of the Golden Knights, after they lost Game One, they have fought back and they won a big game last night in overtime. So they lead that series two one. The Abs are two one over the Kraken. But good grief, what great scenes in Seattle last night as the Kraken in year two giving their fans their first taste of playoff hockey. A lot of excitement there. Yeah, Seattle. People thinking that wasn't going to be a, a hit. I'm still kind of perplexed that the rest of the Northwest isn't hopping on the bandwagon. They should, because the Kraken are no joke. Look for that series to be entertaining, but I do not see the Avs being able to take... I mean, I don't see the Kraken being able to take off the Avs. All right, folks, we are rocking and rolling. We will be back with a beautiful game life on the other side. Welcome back to the Foxhole. Your faithful host, Kid Harlan, here. Episode 154 overall. Quite the uh, game brewing over here at the Chase Center. 69-65. Uh, defense definitely taking Sunday off. Anyway, let's go pitch side and talk some beautiful game live, shall we? So earlier in the week, USA and Mexico renew its long-standing rivalry. Never a dull moment when these two continental titans lock horns. And as usual, something for both sides to gloat and be salty about as USA and Mexico play to a 1-1 tie. 
USA pull what out of its rear to to preserve the draw and what is that like five straight matches where they are unbeaten against their rivals El Trey. Yeah. Looking forward to some of these competitions over the next couple of years between those two. A lot of good talent as some of the old-timers move away. Also, big news with USA and Mexico going to host the Women's World Cup in 2027. So, along with what's happening with the men, with US, Mexico, and Canada, great time to be a fan of the beautiful game life over in this hemisphere. Hell yeah. So does Barcelona get a, a Champions League ban for this fixing scandal? I doubt it, but folks are talking like it is a possibility. I mean, say that they weren't even in the competition this year, but they will be given based on their success in La Liga. I got a feeling if Barca's eligible just because of the draw that they have being one of the top flight clubs on the planet, they're not going to get a ban from UCL. You see that, right? UEFA doesn't have, or FIFA doesn't have the teeth to pull that off. Call me crazy, but that's just the way I see it right now. Okay, speaking of Champions League, that fired up so we can figure out who is going to be in the next round. You know, after the, the round of 16, now we get to the nitty gritty. And Real Madrid advances once again, not a surprise. But seeing AC Milan advance, what a season for them. Napoli, very disappointing given the success that you've had domestically to lose to your Italian rivals. I mean, what a year for Italy as far as the international competitions are concerned, right? You know, Inter is also advancing as they took care of Benfica. Chelsea, what a dumpster fire. Speaking of Real Madrid, I mean, you know, Mr. Bully said, hey, we're going to show up. Nope. Yeah, Chelsea's season of woe just continues, and they won't be playing in Europe next year, and they aren't going to be playing in Europe anymore this year. So going to be a long summer of discontent over there at Stamford Bridge. Uh, Bayern Munich, another disappointment. I mean, you know, you knock out PSG, only to roll over the city. It's just like, is it PSG being weak or just, yeah, you beat PSG and you started feeling yourselves walking around with that BDE. City and Mr. Halam were having none of it. So, Byron, see ya. Thomas Tuchel, well, you're going to have to pick up the pieces, especially since you're struggling in your league. We'll get to that in a second. Over in the EPL... Even though the Gunners have been stumbling, they still have a five-point lead. And so, I mean, they're obviously going to be playing in Europe. Um, you know, I think the, the, the question more is, who's going to be the top four for UCL? And I think that's kind of sealed, too, as the Spurs, you know, with another bad loss, which we'll talk about next week, kind of being on the outside looking in. Yeah, right, the usual suspects. Arsenal, the Manchester squads, and not so uh, not so usual, Newcastle looking to be the top four who will be playing in the Champions League next year. Obviously, tough week for City. I mean, not City, but United, as far as its doubles in UCL. Um, yeah, FA Cup, 
is going to be a Manchester final as United survive on penalties. I'll talk a little bit more about that next week once I have time to unpack and get some data. Over in the Bundesliga, as I just mentioned about Bayern, right now Dortmund is back on top. They're going back and forth, you know, as that season sort of winds down. Over in France, PSG inches closer to its 11th title. And, you know, the the feel-good story in that league, RC Lons, looking like they're going to secure the second spot and be playing in Champions League next year. So good for them. Um, I guess the big question there, it will Lille, Lyon, Monaco, and Nice miss out on European football. And right now, that's very much in doubt. Over in La Liga, as I said about Barca a few seconds ago or a few minutes ago, whatever it is, they lead by eight, and you wouldn't think they would shit the bed and blow this, but I'm not going to crowd them quite yet. <laughs> but given the ups and downs and they're, you know, looking at the wishing well, please, Leo, come back, please. They think, I think they're focused more on that as opposed to taking care of business on the pitch. And I still give Real Madrid an outside shot of stealing the crown from them. Atletico Madrid is firmly in third place. As I talked about Serie A and how the Italian teams have had an incredible year as far as the international competitions are concerned. Yeah, Napoli is laid waste, but you know, it's still going to worry about who ends up playing in Europe next year. Right now, I don't, unless Inter and AC Milan win Champions League, I, they may not be there. Kind of cool that Lazio in second place is going to be there. The chosen one looking like it, even though there is talk that Mourinho may leave Roma and actually replace Christopher Caltier, who I think is going to be out at Paris, given how Paris has really stumbled. I mean, I mean, come on, man. They barely had enough steam to get past Angers. We'll talk about that next week as well. Okay, but yeah. Um, let's see. Let's talk a little MLS here real quick. So you had El Trafico and all the splendor and glory that occurs with that rivalry. <sighs> you know, it's good to see LAFC get its first win on the road in Carson. And of course, the black and gold fans definitely waving their BDE and BCE energy after getting that win. And they're still unbeaten after yesterday. So that's looking good there as far as that goes. You have to wonder, will the Galaxy ever be relevant again? Maybe they have to like leave the market and find a place to go. I don't see that happening because that market can obviously handle two teams. But it is crazy, and I've said it a million times on this podcast, how you know the new kids on the block basically knocked the galaxy off of its pedestal and made them irrelevant. I mean, you know, <laughs> I may have to dedicate a whole podcast and get some people out here to have a great conversation about that. Great idea, huh? I know it'd be fun and spicy. I can guarantee that. Okay. We had Cascadia and the Stumbling Timbers. Ah, little light flickers on. They knock off the Sounders. Not surprising, because they always get up for the Sounders. Kind of a little bit more perplexed of them not being able to get it done. But yesterday, you know, FC Cincinnati is no slouch. So, But Portland's still not living up to what we expect of them. Injuries aside. What else do we have here? Let's go to power rankings. 
you've got right now LAFC is one. They're still unbeaten. The Revs are two. And they've been balling out. Incredible start they are. St. Louis is in three, which is kind of shocking to me at this point. I mean, it's been a great start, but they've kind of come back to reality, but fine. Seattle, ahead of Seattle, even, which that's why I said that's really head scratching to me. And Cincinnati's in five. If anything, I think St. Louis should be in the fifth spot. The not so good. Sporting Kansas City just turning into a stinky diaper. Montreal, a stinky diaper. The Galaxy obviously really sticking the joint up. Yeah. And enter Miami, residing at the bottom of, of this week's MLS power rankings. A lot of crazy stuff going on domestically, but looking forward to a good summer of, of great competitions in the League's Cup. Gonna be fun times. And we'll be here in the foxhole to tell you about it all. All right, folks. Oh, yeah. Let me, let me, I'm not done quite yet. Dr. Sports, the AWSL is concerned. The Thorns are leading the pack. No shock there. And then the big story for some, but for me, I don't really give an F. Wrexham winning its league and getting promotions. And everybody, like, they were talking about it on Sports Center for 10 minutes. And I'm like, they're going to the league too. Right, they're not even in the same league as Blackburn and Burnley. So why are we talking about them? Because a bunch of Hollywood jackoffs own the team. They have a stupid show that non-soccer fans watch and think it's cool. Anybody that gives a damn and actually watches the beautiful game doesn't have time for this rubbish. Yeah, that's right. I went on a rant, but I personally, I I was insulted all the time that was given to them getting promotion and how beautiful it was. Yeah, okay, it's been forty-five years, but you're still. In the lower tier. Wake me up at least when you get to League One and then we'll have a conversation. Until then, I don't want to hear about that chump team. I don't care about Mythiquist Boy and Ronald Riddles and all that other nonsense. There are a bunch of posers, if you ask me. They just have money, okay? Yeah. You know, just such to me, such a disservice. And more props to the people on soccer Twitter and other mediums that call this bullshit out. All right, folks, that was a little salty at my part, but hey, it's Sunday. We'll be back with a closer look on the other side. All right, welcome back to the foxhole. Winding things down here. Anyway, time for our segment to opinionate, rant, rave, even though I obviously ran at the end of the last segment quite a bit about Wrexham and how much that crap gets in my nerves. But let's move on from that and let's get into a closer look. Okay, let's start off with Dylan and Draymond, the ballot of the bad boys. Let's start off with Draymond first. He's playing today, he was suspended. Dubs didn't miss him. The woke sports media getting themselves in a tizzy about him being suspended. Maybe he shouldn't have. But bro has a long history of illing. You know, obviously that's how LeBron and Cleveland were able to get a title. And I just, I think Mr. Silver is just kind of tired of all of, of this nonsense. And, you know, I don't have any, I'm not shedding a tear over this. You know, unlike hearing, you know, Stephen A. Smith and Kendrick Perkins and other and all the other bros. And you guys in your lack of, object, of objectivity 
it, 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 it's nauseating. And you know, okay, because you're in a position of visibility, it's one thing, but always pandering to the whole race card side of it, it, it just, it, to me, it's just odious. As, as a brother myself, I don't play that game, so why should you? And I mean, I've just got a lowly podcast, and I can see through that. And you have a long history. He playing it, you know? And I think, in general, what we're seeing in these playoffs, that Silver sees the big picture. And he knows that outside of the woke warriors, virtual signalers, and social justice warriors, he wants this league to appeal to a wider fan base. And you can't have that if you have all of this fake tough guy, wannabe thug life nonsense going on. Which brings me to Dylan Brooks. Calling out LeBron and the whole BS last night, you know, maybe he shouldn't have been ejected. I don't know. I'll, we're going to have to like unpack a little bit more of that as time goes on. Okay, you know, but I like when Clay Thompson called them out. So that when he's done playing, who the hell is going to remember him other than he was a, what, he was on one of you know Dana Altman's good Ducks teams and he made a name for himself running his mouth. Now, love LeBron or hate him, how are you calling LeBron out? This guy at 38 is putting up numbers that nobody ever has at his age. He's playing at a high level and one of the reasons why the Lakers are up to one. And, yeah, I just don't get somebody of his pedigree, especially, I mean, Dylan Brooks, lack of, especially with all the bricks he was throwing up last night. You mean, right, maybe Silver should have given him a suspension just for just being a turd, right? And he's been doing this all year. I never would have thought, and a friend of the show, Alec Four agrees, that he'd be this much of a punk when he, when he was here in Eugene playing for Dana Altman. If this is the way you get clicks and recognition, great. But it's just to me, whatever, dude. And you know, like I said about the Grizzlies, they were going to be one of these teams that was kind of on the cups, but you know, being the baby Dobermans, a lot more bark than bite. And before you know it, swimming in the boat of mediocrity. So yeah, the, the battle of Draymond and Dylan Brooks, okay. You know, it, it lets us converse. It gives the Skip Shannons and Stephen A's and Mad Dog something to talk about. But there's not really a lot much more substance after that. Now let's focus on the good stuff happening, like this Warriors-Kings game that's going to be an incredible second half, 69-65, just starting. Okay, how about the NFL's gambling scandal? With all these guys getting a year suspension, following in the steps of of Calvin Ridley, Paul Horning and Alex Karras, Merle Harps, and other folks from years past. Now, I know this is a different landscape from the days of Horning and Karras. You didn't have DraftKings, and, and gaming is treated in a more favorable light. But as I've said on this podcast a million times, and I'll see it a million times more, every clubhouse, going back to 1920, after the Black Sox scandal. There are signs that tell you the consequences of what will happen to you if you get caught. You make too much money and you have too many opportunities to make coin being a professional sports player. 
Why the fuck are you jeopardizing it by, yo, man, hang with my homies, man. We're drinking the Henny and <laughs> we're going to get our DraftKings on. It's called tracking. And there are people who will rat you out. Why put yourself at risk? Why put all the good things you have going on? And for these guys, you know, I don't quite have the details, and we'll unpack more of it next week as I, you know, as, as the, the league divulges more about it, what these guys were involved in. But I, it, it's mind blowing, given the life that these guys have, that they would even put it at risk. I mean, I don't know. Can't you get your buddies to make the bets for you? But of course, you dumbasses, you know, right? We leave so much forensic evidence on your phone and social media, it still wouldn't matter. I mean, I could chastise the one guy getting into it with Bradley Bill and all that kind of nonsense, but you players, it, to me, it makes me even more cranky. I don't understand why you put your livelihood at risk. I mean, there's plenty of time to spend, you know, your days in Macau or sitting, even sitting in your boxers, you know, now with your phone or on your tablet making bets after you're done playing. You make enough jing, you know, right? And, or at least, you know, find an executive card game like the, like in the Sopranos and, you know, hang out with Lawrence Taylor and David Lee Roth, right? You know, if you, if you really got to get, get your gambling on or go out to the golf course and get taken by a bunch of golf, golf course hustlers or something, but leave betting on the games away from it. You, there's too much at stake and now you're costing yourself a year's pay and who knows what's going to happen in terms of your future when it's time to re-up because you're involved in odious BS like this. Yeah. Okay, lastly, as far as a closer look, how about the emergence of Hillbilly Kobe, Austin Reeves? Some folks are not too happy about it. You know, some of the certain folks are saying, well, the only reason why he's getting any props is because he's white. Yeah, it actually, that is why. Like I talked about Caitlin Clark before, Paige Bookers and, and people like that, Sabrina I. I don't know. Woke warriors and, and virtue signalers. Have you forgotten the, that uh, number of the population that buys tickets, buys gear? Yeah, they might be of a certain color. It might be good that somebody... You know, a good hillbilly boy from, you know, Arkansas makes good. And then give somebody, somebody that you look at and go, hey, that could be me or I can relate with him. And I love how humble this kid is. You know, right, came from a two-way player. Okay, LeBron, you saying I knew. Shut up, LeBron. I mean, I'm not sitting there sucking LeBron off either, right? It was earlier, you know, defending him. But this whole idea, like, yeah, man, I knew. Oh, if that's the case, why didn't you come out and say it then? Easy to to say it after the fact that he's become a very good role player for, you know, what's become a very decent Lakers team. But yeah, I think this kid's emergence right now is fantastic. And like Alex Caruso beforehand, wonderful for these guys. And it's not a bad thing for the league. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Folks need to see the big picture. And that's why I was so harsh on Angel Reese. That having folks of all races helps your product, right? And the folk, it brings back people who may be alienated from the antics that you all have been part of for a while. You know, 
it's okay, right? Unless you feel threatened, you know, I mean, you're just as bad as those guys back in the 40s when, you know, the Jackie Robinsons, Larry Dobies, and Willie Mays came in. Hey, if these guys come in here, that's one last job for us. You know, as the great Pee Wee Woo said, if they're good enough to be out there and take your job, so be it. Play, play harder. Um, all right, folks, we will be back and close this out with the NFL report and some TMCA time. See you there. Alrighty, time to wrap this all up. Number 154. Let's talk some NFL. Okay, it's draft week. I don't know about you, but it just seems that for some reason, the hype that has accompanied this week in recent years doesn't seem to be there, or maybe because the other sports have figured it out and made themselves more compelling and exciting, exciting in recent years, that they have found a way to keep the NFL from dominating everything 365-24-7. Fortunately, this week, we start off with a somber note. A couple of former Ducks, Oregon Ducks, that is, an NFL alumni passing with local legend Dave Wilcox, whose sons Justin and Josh also played at Oregon. And Dave, who started with the 49ers after doing two years at Boise before it was a state university, then coming to the U of, to the U of O, and then you know, having a great career for the 49ers. And also former Duck and former Falcon and Viking Bob Barry, who was a quarterback for the Ducks in that same era, both passing away this week. Our condolences go out to their family and friends and people part of the Duck universe and the teams they played on. Especially the Wilcox. I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of royalty as far as the Ducks are concerned. You know, with Justin still coaching at Cal, as we talked about, his flirtations with the program here. As far as being, you know, being you know, a coach here someday, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Not with Dan Lanning in the house. Okay, so it is draft week. Who does go number one this week? You know, normally I have a pretty good feel for this. I don't really know at this point. You know, I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be a quarterback. But right now, a lot of shuffling, a lot of conversations being had. As far as the first top five or six. So I think once we get to the actual draft itself, even though there's been a little bit less hype, I think there's going to be a lot of intrigue. What happens, you know, between, you know, picks one and ten. And, you know, with all the uncertainty still with certain players, as far as possible trades are, are concerned. Yeah, it should be a compelling week as far as the, non, the No Fun League is concerned. Okay. Still kind of trying to figure out what's going on in D.C. As we said, we think Josh Harris's bid is going to move forward. We got that one clown, Brian Davis, claiming he's made a $7 billion bid, but nobody really knows where his funding's coming from. And you have to think that uh, Mr. Goodell and company probably are seeing the Harris bid as the kind of person they want in their club 
after the terror reign of Mr. Snyder. And of course, with the commander's upper cell, this has brought out the worst in the brigade, who somehow have a wet fantasy that the Redskins' name is going to come back. Even people like the junkies and other folks in the, in, in the DMV media say, well, the owner should at least consider it. Hello, what did you mofos not learn last time? But when you have people like Nike and, uh, and other big brands running away from you, that is a dead horse. And stop it with, we can have Redskins, can we have Red Wolves or something like that. Let it go. The reason why the Commanders came into existence is because they could own the trademark. You know, this whole idea, and of course it's always coming from a certain group of folks, well, you ever thought it was racist to me? You're probably the same folks who'd be happy that Jim Crow was still the, the way of life in America. Like, well, does it affect me? Just because it's woke doesn't mean it's all bad, people. I hate to be the one to tell you that. Let it go already, folks. Besides, I think it's going to take four or five years for a rebrand. And the folks, if, if, if this Harris bid does go through, they got bigger things to worry about than a stupid name. I mean, LAFC and PSG don't have nicknames, and gee, it's not hurting them. So, let it go, people. Okay. Jalen Hurts, as I think I told you last week, signs a big deal, which threw the whole Lamar thing into turmoil. Everybody's, you know, the race baiters once again saying, well, him setting that kind of deal hurts Lamar. Stop it. Lamar is hurting himself, okay? I don't have to, like, you know, go through this every week to, to tell you how I feel about that. And I am not against if the Ravens or anybody else wants to give up all their capital as long as it's not my team. You know, more power to you. But I think a lot of people think the same way I do when it comes to him. And... You know, we'll have to see how it plays out. But kudos to Jalen, even though he just had ankle surgery, but I'm sure that's not going to be a big problem. Um, but I think reality is starting to creep in to Jackson, you know. And if you want to be a bitch and sit out the whole year and put the levy on cart, I, I understand it. I don't think it would be the smart way to go. But if that's how you want to, if that's how you want to be, then so be it. Okay, why do we keep hearing crap about Mac Jones? You know what? Do something that maybe y'all care and other people will. You know, the, as I talked about, I it was the last podcast or the podcast before that. I think it was the podcast before that about the, the hoodie, Mr. Belichick pushing back. And I think folks have to accept they had a good run and may, may have a couple years of being mediocre as... You know, Belichick gets closer and closer to passing Mr. Shula with the most wins. It's okay. As I said a few weeks ago, be happy that you were able to go on a phenomenal run like that with Mr. Brady. Doesn't happen a lot in this lifetime. Maybe once if you're lucky. You know, if it happens twice, well, you're really lucky. You know, not quite as good as winning the lottery, but as a sports fan, definitely on the same level. Okay, speaking of Brady, isn't it crazy how his shadow is still looming over the offseason? I mean, he keeps poo-pooing that he's going to come back, but it keeps coming up. And you look at the situation with a team like the 49ers, 
Yeah, I saw Brock Purdy the other day. You know, we don't know what's going to happen with Mr. Lance. But as a one or two year flyer, I don't know if Kyle Shanahan would be willing to, to cede that much power to Brady. But until it actually happens, he's in the conversation. And even though he did fall off of a cliff, still was better than probably half the quarterbacks in the league. And on a team like the 49ers, for example, that's loaded to bear, are you telling me him sitting behind center playing for his hometown club wouldn't scare the bejesus out of you? All right. The Rogers story. I mean, it's gotten so surreal that nobody's even bothering talking about it, which speaks volumes. I feel for you, Greeny, J-Mac, and all the other hardcore Jets fans who are in limbo, but I wonder if this ends up Rogers not even playing again, just saying, you know what? I've yanked I, I've your chain long enough. I'm just going to go hang out with my hipster girlfriend you know, eat some mushrooms, do some do some molly, and just live live my good life. If this can't get worked out, I can't see him going back to Green Bay because this seems to be more of a situation like when he got there with Favre, where is he, what did he say? The trains left the station. I can feel that way. So if this doesn't get done sooner than later, and there's still a lot of time for this to happen. But it's really starting to get a, a eerie feeling that something may not happen there. I don't know. Who's going to take a flyer on him besides the Jets? Okay. Positivity here. Mr. Hamlin is cleared to return to action. Hope all goes well there. It's been quite the ride as far as that story is concerned. But hey, kudos to him. Kudos to the Bills Nation. Always like to hear a good story when, when there is one. And this is definitely a good story. Yeah, yeah. And you've got... Uh, well, I thought it was kind of funny. How about Miles Garrett saying he's retiring from the Pro Bowl after sustaining a toe injury? Well, duh. Even put, even with the flag football thing, you fools out there trying to showboat, this was bound to happen. <laughs> that competition should have been done away with long, long ago. Like, I have a great uh, Pro Bowl jersey from the from the 80s, the Joe Theismann era, like number seven. The Pro Bowl should have been done way back then, let alone, you know, four decades now. I mean, just a worthless spot. Yeah, like I said a million times, it's great for the fans and the families to get together when it was Hawaii. I mean, Vegas is like, to me, not enough for folks. You know, it's just a, it's just a complete waste of energy and space. And, you know, seeing more people like a Miles Garrett, like, I got hurt doing this bullshit. No, stop it. That was kind of funny. All right. I don't think that cracked me up about Jared Goff and the Lions. You know, the, with the Lions obviously being a big part of this gambling thing, you know, some of their players, especially one of their key players. But Jared Goff basically saying that he has, he gets a sense that the Lions organization and their fan base are really having a sense of urgency coming into 2023. Well, duh, you haven't won a championship since 1957. You haven't won a playoff game since 91. Every year should be a sense of urgency when you have that much fertility. Yeah? Not rocket science we're talking about here, right? Okay. How about the Cards unveiling their new uniforms and this whole protect the nest? I thought the uniforms were very meh. 
Maybe not as bad as the City Connect uniforms I'm always bagging on. But this is another team. Forget about the uniforms and focus more on the product of the field and maybe cleaning up some of the toxicity that you have in your front office. I know, call me crazy, call me whatever. Quick side note, kind of cool that the Buccaneers are going to bring back the creamsicle jerseys. I hope it's like permanently. I've never been a big fan of, of, of the variants they've had since they got rid of the beloved creamsicle jerseys. Even though those jerseys kind of represent an era of fertility for the Buccaneers. Yeah, you know, they've been able to win two rings. <laughs> Let it go, folks. I don't think they're that jinx. And you Cowboys, bring back the original dark blue ones. Stop with this jinx nonsense. Same with you, Ducks, and the Webfoot stuff. You know, every time I you know, bust out with my Webfoot's beanie and I get the grief because of that 70-21 shellacking they took from the Huskies. These are one-off moments, man. Come on, folks. Okay, let's get to it. Let's hand out the stainless steel bowls of the smelliest varieties for folks whose actions from the past week weren't some. TMCA time. I'm going to give Dominique Foxworth two XLs for being such a virtue signaling cloud. One thing we don't need in this world right now is another race baiter. Nothing wrong with being proud of your people and wanting to see fellow bros succeed, but when you stoop to the level that you do where you're just outright racist and doing more to divide people as opposed to bringing them together through competition, you're just a piece of shit, in my opinion, and you deserve two XLs of the stinkiest poop, okay? Yeah, I went there. Pardon my language. I'm going to give the Lakers a complimentary for that pathetic performance in Game 2. No jaw, and you come out flatter than four-week-old beer that's been sitting in your garage during the summer. Nah. Dylan Brooks, you get a three-strip of the XLs. Calling out LeBron. Kicking him with the balls. And just being an overall jackass when you've never done anything to warrant at least Draymond, when he's a jerk, Draymond could say, yo, bitch, I got four rings trying to get number five. What the fuck have you done? Pardon my language once again. Yeah, that's a three strip. Totally. Okay. I'm going to give Phil Jackson an XL. Now, what he had to say about some of the virtue signaling that went on during the pandemic, he may not be wrong about. But why? Just enjoy your retirement. Why give people a reason you know, why lob a grenade as we're trying to move past some of that stuff? There's no reason for you to, like, make those comments publicly in a podcast. Now, matter of fact, F it. I'm going to give you two XLs because there was just no need for you to go there and make you and sound even more of a boomer that's out of touch and does not get that the sands have shifted quite a bit in recent years since the triangle ruled the NBA. Okay. I'm going to give CNN a complimentary for giving Barkley and Gail King a show called, you know, Sir Charles or whatever. Really? Like, we need to get, like, those two need to get a show so they so we can have more woke, anti-this and that kind of nonsense? Ah, spare me. Okay. I'm going to give an XL for UFC alum Nate Diaz going rage-tastic in the, in the Big Easy, throwing a water bottle and almost choking out some kid. Man, 
You people really want to spend time in the Great Bar Hilton, don't you? Okay. I'm going to give, you know, complimentaries all around to the Twitter Brigade for roasting Leandro Ball for, you know, knocking up his girlfriend, uh, love and hip-hop star Nikki Medeiros. It's his girlfriend, and even if it wasn't, people do get their freak on, and sometimes if you're not using protection, it does end up, you know, in a pregnancy. These things happen, especially, you know, with the rich and famous. Why roast the guy for that? I'm not seeing it. Okay. Lastly, I'm going to give a five strip of XLs to Mark Davis for his Vegas A's rant. Now there is some there is some uh, validity to his displeasure about the A's being in large part why the Raiders never got a stadium in Oakland so they could stay there. Okay, but let's face it, that was never viable. So stop that crap. And why why he gets a five strip is that basically because Goldman and Sachs. Mr. Alderson and others were able to make that happen. He went from being a poverty owner like Daniel Snyder to somebody with wealth that can have a $15 million mansion, buy a stake in the Aces, because somehow the, the heavens opened up and let him land in Vegas. Why should you be cranky about somebody else getting an opportunity to like make the riches you have? Especially with the A's, who at certain nights draw, you know, more possums and rodents than fans. It wasn't working. You know, once again, keep your opinions to yourself, especially since you didn't do the East Bay any favors by leaving either. And don't whine to be like, they left me no choice. Believe me, you could, you could have raised the private money, but the fact that folks in Vegas did it for you and turned you from a poverty franchise into something that's viable and you still have a stinky product on the film, you maybe should focus on that as opposed to worrying about the A's joining your market again. Call me crazy. Call me nutty. All right, folks, that's it for another episode. Stay safe out there as always. Drink plenty of adult beverages and enjoy as much sports as you can because there's some exciting stuff going on with the MLB. Obviously, the playoffs, the beautiful game life. Give me a fun rest of the spring and summer as far as sports goes. We'll be here in the foxhole always to keep you abreast. See you anywhere from six to nine days. I think it'll be maybe five this week, but we'll see. I've said that before. Keep it real.